The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Welcome back, everybody. I can't begin to tell you how excited I am about today's show. My guest today, Dr. Gary Schwartz, (laughs) I have such respect for him, such affection for him and for his wife, Rhonda. I'll give you a little bit of our background here, and then we're just going to let him talk because the things he has to share with you about the work he's been doing with those across the veil and the hope he brings to all humanity is off the charts. I first learned of Dr. Schwartz at pretty much the biggest low point of my life. It was just after our Susan, my stepdaughter Susan, had been killed by lightning, and I was looking for answers about the greater reality. Did she still exist? And I'd heard of these people called mediums, but I needed credible information about them. And I went to a bookstore, and I was guided straight to this book called The Afterlife Experiments by Dr. Gary Schwartz. And I leafed through it, and I just had this feeling. This was long before I knew I would one day be a medium. I just had this feeling, this is the book for me, because here is a professor. Dr. Schwartz has served as a professor at Harvard University and a tenured professor at Yale University. And he's researching mediums. This man is not going to be swayed by fakes. So I got that book and it changed my life. So really, Dr. Schwartz was the the linchpin in the work that I'm doing right now as a medium. Were it not for his book, who knows if I would be doing this work now. He's currently a senior professor at the University of Arizona, where he directs the Laboratory for Advancements in Consciousness and Health and the Soul Phone Project. We're going to be talking a lot about the Soul Phone Many of you listening today know a little bit about it. We're going to know a lot more by the end of the show. Let me bring him in now. Dr. Schwartz, Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a, such a pleasure to be with you here. Well, I want to tell folks how it, we came to uh, know each other. And it was when I was reading another one of your books. Uh, it was called The Truth About Medium. It, I was scanning some bookshelves, and I was already working as a medium. And it just drew my attention, and I leafed through it. And I said, well, I don't need this book. I already know the truth about mediums. I am one now. And it, my guide said, get this book. So I was sitting <laughs> in my living room reading the book, and all of a sudden – your dear friend Susie Smith, who had passed, dropped in on me. 
And she said, you have to reach out to Gary. Just let him know that you would like to work with him. And I thought, this is outrageous. How can I just come out of the blue and tell this professor who's written all these books? You have eight books now for the public and many scientific papers, over 450 of them <laughs> in journals. And so I went out on the limb and I found you and I said, I, I tried to downplay the, the woo-woo side of it. I said, I'm this retired Navy commander and Susie Smith dropped in on me and she said, I'm supposed to contact you. And you took me seriously, but you put me to the test. Do you remember that? I sure do. <laughs> you and tell it. What was it I like did, from your go ahead. side to go through a test like that? What, what was it like? Yeah, what was it like for you to experience, you know? The, oh, it was the it was really intimidating because you didn't just say, tell me things about Susie. You said, I want you to sit down and ask Susie three questions. Ask her what she what's going on with the foxes and ask her this and that. And these were just off-the-wall questions. And I sat down as if I were doing a regular reading. And, and uh, I guess my answers made sense because you came right back at me with several more questions. And the next thing you know, you said, it looks like Susie has picked her latest medium to work with. And we've been working together ever since. And what an honor that's been. And the best part was that Susie had dachshunds just like we yeah. do. <laughs> And so, you know what's funny? You want to, I have to tell you this so I don't forget. I was checking emails. I was looking for a particular email. Um, oh, I don't know, maybe half hour ago. And I noticed that there was an email from somebody you know. I think he's even been on your show, Mark Pitstick. Of course. And Mark sent me a photo that had recently been taken on his yard of a fox. Now, they never see foxes oh. apparently on their yard. It was very, quote, anomalous. I haven't had fox moments in a couple of years now. Well, and this happened <laughs> very recently. I only then stumbled upon that email a half hour ago, and now what do you remind me of? Well, you and I both know that you're going to make a note of this, and you're going to be seeing foxes <laughs> for the next week now. <laughs> Well, yeah, I would I, like you to, to talk to our listeners here shortly about this group you call the A-Team, why you have an A-Team, who's the B-Team. But I want to tell everybody that when I first met Dr. Schwartz in person at his Laboratory of Human Consciousness at the University of Arizona, we just decided to do some playing. They were, these were unsanctioned experiments with the other side and and. Gary, you had me bring through seven spirits. I mean, cameras are rolling. You're, you're filming this. Here I am sitting with this esteemed professor, and you had me bring through people by names who I knew weren't their real names, but you knew who they were. And at the end of that multi-hour session, by by grace or by because it was meant to be, I, it turns out I had brought through evidence for each of those seven people. And when you told me these are members of this team across the veil I've been working with my A team and you told me the identity of them I was floored I was also sworn to secrecy at the time but these days mm -hmm. you've started saying who some of those people are publicly so That's why don't right. you begin wherever you want to be and tell people about what you've been up to since that time years ago when you and hey, well, I actually, worked together refresh my memory do you remember approximately what year that was well, we had that fateful day. It was actually took place in Rhonda's office in my laboratory, if you remember yes. correctly. Um, that would have been 2012. 2012. Wow. So this yeah. is seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, th that was an extraordinary day. 
for Rhonda and myself, because one of the things um, I love to do research that serves multiple purposes, both basic science and applied. And in, in this instance, you were doing that in spades, even though it was semi-spontaneous, um, because by you bringing through and correctly uh, getting information about all seven of those people, which is quite extraordinary, it was essentially seven separate readings, not only were you validating for us that you had the skills, but you were also providing evidence, A, that they really were working with us, that, they that were was what was so exciting. Around. And you were also validating Rhonda's experiences as a selective evidential medium. We call it selective evidential research medium because she only works with a small subgroup of spirits who we call, quote, the A-team. So you independently validated core members of the A-team, plus you validated that Rhonda was really connected to these people um, yeah. through the work in the same time that you were validating yourself. That's not bad. Three for the price <laughs> of one, so to speak. It was such an exciting day that I went out to a jewelry store and bought a really special necklace for myself to celebrate it, to remember it. <laughs> and I still I have that with me here on our travels because it was a memorable day. But the the magic and the wonders continue. You you live and breathe this. This is what I want to share with everybody. This is the most dedicated man I have ever met and your wife, Rhonda, like you said, a selective medium to work with this group of spirits across the veil who are helping to make it possible for what, Gary? Well, we have been devoted, and I started doing this work over probably close to 15 years ago. It was actually a few years before I met Rhonda. Um, I began doing secret research on the possibility of developing technology, taking advantage of the latest advances in technology to be able to detect the presence of spirit and then ultimately create a, um, a device that could be used as a user-friendly on both sides, um, spirit communication technology, which I affectionately refer to as a soul phone. And we have been doing that work ever more fervently and devotedly to the point where the past two years, I've literally been on a, essentially a leave of absence from teaching. I'm at the university full-time, um, but I'm now privileged to be able to devote 90 to 95% of my research time uh, to, the, to the Soul Phone Project. And it continues to be an adventure, to put it mildly. Um, I am willing, if you are willing, um, especially since we have gone a little bit public with this uh, work, do you remember some of the individuals who um, huh. you brought through? I remember, like I think that? I remember all of them. And it was Please awful. Do. I remember you saying, you can't tell anybody. And I said, well, they used to trust me for the beyond top secret clearance. You can trust me. And I said, but may I tell Ty? And you said, yes. And it, it was kind of awkward to tell Ty because these are ultra famous people. And it sounded crazy that I would be Absolutely. connecting with them. But the evidence spoke for itself. And I experienced their presence. How are you going to deny that? But yes, so I the fact that they people, were working with you on this technology, its it sounds like fiction, but it's true. Right. And if it sounds like fiction to you, you can imagine how it sounds to me. 
and how I feel <laughs> feels to me because I, you know, I, I don't see spirit and I don't hear spirit. I would say 99.9% of the time. So um, it's, I'm like a blind man studying color vision. And when <laughs> Rhonda or you or another special gifted evidential medium brings through one of these people in an evidential fashion, I'm still sitting here saying, what? I just see walls and chairs and there's no, there's no quote spirit here. And yet well, they are. May I share an example of one of those spirits by name who sure. was a scientist? Please. Oh, that would be Albert. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yes. So one of those was Albert Einstein. And again, for those of you listening, Dr. Schwartz only gave me a first name, but it wasn't Albert. It was, let's make up a name, um, Jerry. Bring through Jerry, mm -hmm. but Jerry would know that it was Albert Einstein. Robert Einstein would know he was Jerry. And so I was getting evidence, but I didn't make the connection. I didn't realize until you told me who it was. That was what was funny. But this Albert Einstein didn't surprise me so much because I had done my own personal research to see if I could connect with Albert Einstein a year or so before, just out of curiosity. And I did so, and I trusted it. Let's fast forward to the last time I visited you in your lab oh, maybe a year or so ago, and I was sitting there with you and with Rhonda, and you had the videos rolling, and all of a sudden I looked up, and I said, well, Gary, Albert Einstein is sitting in that chair right there. And I said, Rhonda, do you see him? And she looked over, and she said, I do. And I said, <laughs> all right, Albert, you need to give me some evidence if this is really you. And he told me about an article that was hanging on the wall. He told me you had bought it, where you bought it, and under what circumstances, and who else was with you when you bought it. And Rhonda was able to validate all of this. And the two of us sitting there, this is the stuff of movies, but this is reality. Yeah. That's what makes it so much fun. Yes, and what's really amusing, too, is that you had that connection to Albert before we met. And Because in a book I wrote called The Sacred Promise, I introduced it uh, essentially in the following ways. I, I said, I confessed that for over a decade, multiple mediums who had passed the test, you know, uh, 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 research testing, claimed that they were receiving communication from Albert Einstein and that he had messages for the world and for me. And I said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Why would Albert Einstein, you know, want to speak to me? And, um, you know, it's bad enough to, to, to say that somebody's departed loved one, a grandmother or a child is present. But if you're going to make the claim that somebody like Albert Einstein is communicating this new, most of us, including most mediums, say it, quote, sounds crazy. Yes. However, I then turned it around and I said to the people in the book, I said, imagine that you're in Einstein's shoes. You are, quote, deceased. You are now a post-material person, as we affectionately like to refer to people, um, quote, on the other side. And you still deeply care about the world. You deeply care about humanity. You deeply care about the work. And you wish to be heard um, and for people to take you, to listen to you. How are you going to get anybody's attention? And what are the, who, are the, who are you going to go to? Um, and I realized when I thought about trying to put myself in his shoes, that I realized that he had virtually no choices. Because if he was going to try to connect with a scientist, what scientist would potentially listen? 
currently in the world. And I realized there were, there were less than a handful of scientists on the planet who would potentially take this seriously. So I, I, I said to myself, okay, metaphorically, we're the only game in town right now. And so therefore, uh, uh, it, it could make sense that Einstein might come through us. I've since come to the conclusion that the kinds of people who really care about this work, this mission, to bring these two realms of existence together for the greater good on both, quote, sides, that the people who do this work, by and large, tend to be unusual, if not exceptional people. It certainly is the case on their side. And we, so to speak, try to keep up. So they're, quote, the A team. We're the B team. And we consider it a privilege to be of service. But it's funny because the A team stands for the team above, and we're the B yes. team below. <laughs> exactly. Well, they've got much more knowledge and skills and so on than we do. But I want to give you so much credit, Gary, because you've taken a beating from the critics and and of mm -hmm. course, because you're willing to go to get out there and say, yeah, I'm working with Albert Einstein across the veil and others. You're, you're allowed to mention them at will whatever, as we go along. But um, sure. how do you – what is your attitude toward critics? Attitude toward critics? Well, first of all, um, I invite and always encourage responsible and caring criticism, feedback. Because I'm not perfect, and I don't know anyone who is perfect. And therefore, being able to get advice and understand the kind of information that people need is valuable. So I always try to seek feedback, even if it sometimes comes from, from hostile um, um, sources. And even uh, there, are, and there are some people who are genuinely malevolent critics. I mean, they really want to, they want to, quote, kill the messenger rather than let the message come out. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, first of all, I try to listen. Secondly, my heart goes out to people like this, particularly those who are especially, and I will say, quote, misguided or blind, because they are missing out on um, being able to appreciate how wonderful both this world and quote the next and the greater reality is. And they're hurting themselves and they're hurting others through their bias, their education, their fear, and so on. So my quote, my heart goes out to them, and, 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 I, and I feel that genuinely. Thirdly, I have to protect the work. I have to protect the people that I work with, both here and there. So, um, in fact, one of the suggestions that was made by one of the members of what we call our um, circle of trustees in my laboratory, sidebar, there are a group of people who... Uh, advise the laboratory and attempt to protect the university, the laboratory, me, and the work. All of these people are directly or indirectly affiliated with the University of Arizona, be they students or former students or faculty or on the staff or if they serve as advisors or they have children that go to the university. Anyone who cares about the work and cares about the university, a select group of people, and there's about 12 to 14 of them, depending on the given day. And one of them, a former, quote, student of mine, she actually did her PhD uh, with, with me and a group of others. Her name is Dr. Emily Corey. She um, 
uh, made the recommendation, and you'll like this metaphor, and please share it with Ty as well. She said, mm-hmm. if we're going to go public with this work, she says, we need to build a battleship. Hmm. We, we need to make sure that we could have all our ducks in a row metaphorically and that we have as many protections in place as possible against the unfair criticism and often even uh, you know, malicious criticism by a subset of people, be they ultra-atheist on one extreme or ultra-fundamentalists on another. Um, uh, and so right now we're in the battleship building stage, believe it or not. And of course, the two of you know more about ships than, than virtually any medium and medium husband that I know. In the background. So, yeah, Ty, uh, just for the listeners' sake, Ty was the operations officer on the battleship Iowa. So that's a great analogy, Carrie. <laughs> Thank you. Well, why don't we just entice everybody? We just have a well, we have about five minutes before the break. Okay. But what is this technology? We, we've kind of hinted at the soul phone, but what right. is the technology you're developing? Why don't you, from from the the very basics? If somebody's never heard of a soul phone, tell them what your dream is, what you're working toward. Okay. First of all, I'll give you the dream, and then we'll go back and be very concrete. Okay. The dream is to be able to detect the, the very tiny, quote, subtle, um, low-level energy and information that comprises what we call spirit and soul. By the way, uh, David Bohm who is one of the uh, members of the, quote, A-team. And by the way, I, I don't include anyone, I don't cite anyone as being, quote, on the A-team unless we have clear uh, and consistent evidence from multiple sources that they are participating. Um, I remember tuning into science. David Bohm. <laughs> yes, you do. I, that's right. It's one of the, that's why it's one of the principles I wanted to mention. But also I wanted to mention, because... One of the things that he said, uh, and again, usually if I'm talking to a scientific community, I'll say hypothesize David Bohm. Here I'll just say David Bohm. Um, but one of the things that David Bohm um, said, as, as experienced as Rhonda experienced this, is that what they are, he called them, quote, historical systems, which is coincidentally comparable to the scientific language that I wrote about in a book called Living Energy Universe, my first book for the general public, where I talked about dynamical info energy systems, which are preserved in the, quote, vacuum of space. Um, and again, we won't get the physics of all of this. But the bottom line is they're just like they were when they were here, except they have the collection of all of their information and energy to access, plus they have greater, quote, flexibility. Are you saying that David Bohm said that they as souls are that? Yes. That they what, would you give souls, us that again? Because I love that. Yes. He says that they as souls are, quote, historical systems. So the reason why, for example, let's take David Bohm again. The reason why David can come into the room and Rhonda can see and recognize him or others who can see spirit is because David Bohm chooses to reappear as he looked with his hands and the shape of his hands and his face and his hair and his eyes and his his build and his clothing, virtually every material aspect of him, both external and internal. All that info energy 
is preserved in the, quote, vacuum of space. And it's all part of his, quote, history. <laughs> so it's, which is an amazing idea. Now, because they have their historical hands, their historical intel energy hands, for example, and because they have all the same capabilities that maybe more that we do cognitively, they can therefore choose to raise their hands, wave, obviously speak and so on. And therefore, if we have technology that could detect the presence of their hands and making particular movements or pressing in particular electronic switches, we would then be able to create, for example, soul texting. And we're in the process of attempting to develop what we call a soul keyboard, which requires, of course, a soul binary switch. And that's an active project in the laboratory. Also, we should be able to, quote, eventually see them and hear them. And I've given some scientific papers on pro proof of concept research on all of these um, possibilities. Now, my dream is that we're going to reach a point where not only are you going to be able to do FaceTime with your loved ones with the, quote, soul phone, i.e., which is an extension of our smartphone, but we're going to also be able to take advantage of the technology that's coming down the pike. So, for example, it's going to be only a matter of time that we're going to be able to see three-dimensional, live, holographic, living, dynamical expressions of our loved ones on the other side, just as we will be able to see three-dimensional, live, other people who are in the physical. So, you, so me, for example, and you, rather than us doing simple FaceTime, you know, on a flat screen, there's going to be a holographic image of you and a holographic image of me, and we're going to be able to experience each other in three-dimensional space. Now, that may seem like, quote, science fiction, but it's really based on the evolution of contemporary technology, and it's a short step to envision that. So that's what we're moving toward. Now, the question is, where are we? And that we can talk about after the break. The break exactly. So I'm covered with goosebumps, and I know about all of your research, and so I can only imagine how those of you listening right now are. Your minds might be spinning if you haven't heard of this before. But think about it. Did you think you'd be using a cell phone decades ago? And look how technology has come along. Yet I can tell you, as a medium and having done thousands of readings now, connected with thousands of souls who truly are still right here, it's possible because. Dr. Schwartz and his team are working to get the technology to show you what a medium does mentally right now. That's what we're going for. So I hope you're excited. We're talking with Dr. Gary Schwartz. His website is drgaryschwartz.com. So if that doesn't entice you to come back after the break to learn more about the soul phone, I don't know what will. We'll see you in just a few minutes. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Have you ever performed a random act of kindness? In a beautiful new book called Write It On Your Heart, Unity employees make suggestions for random acts they've tried or received themselves. The book includes 40 ways to express kindness or compassion and has room to journal about your experiences. It's the perfect gift, and you'll want one for yourself, too. Look for Write It On Your Heart at unity.org shop. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Get inspired with Temple Hayes and the Intentional Spirit, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central here on unityonlineradio.org. Each week, Temple shares tools and practices to help you thrive in the most challenging times. Temple also welcomes fascinating guests who share their stories and struggles on the spiritual path. Follow Temple on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with the show. Become an intentional spirit with Temple Hayes here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Yes, indeed. And we have the honor of communicating today with Dr. Gary Schwartz, professor at the University of Arizona, afterlife researcher and developer of the Soul Phone. Imagine having technology, a device to allow you to talk to your loved ones who have passed, and as he mentioned in the first half hour, even doing so holographically somewhere down the line. Gary, thank you so much for for sharing with us today. It's my privilege. Thank you. 
So just before the break, you, you or just as the break started, you issued me a challenge. You said, let's both be quiet during the break and see if anybody will come through to you. And I can tell you that Susie Smith, your, your friend, and how do you refer to her? Mentor? Colleague? Before All she passed? She, you know, she was my uh, adopted grandmother. She used to call me her illegitimate grandson. <laughs> well, she <laughs> dropped right in, and she's... She's talking about imagine how all of this technology seems to her because most of the technology that we take for granted now was was totally foreign to her at the time that she passed. She was showing me she's basically a ringleader for everybody on the A-team. She's a facilitator between both sides is how she was showing me. But the uh, evidential-wise, Gary, she's showing me this great big door, like a front door. It's, it's wider than a normal door, and it's wooden, and she was swinging it back and forth very slowly as if there's like the door to the front of your house is squeaking or something about a great big door. Would you have any idea what she's getting at? Um, maybe. Um the uh, I mean, the first image that comes to mind is, uh, and you you actually may remember this, is that the um, uh, there is a, a large door that's wooden as opposed to metal. Uh, uh, it's actually double doors, but it swings out the door that I'm thinking of, which goes to the chamber uh, where we have um, where we, which I call a. Um, uh, a uh, temperature-stabilized, sound-attenuated, Faraday-shielded chamber. Huh. And in that chamber now, we are doing our latest research, and Susie is going to be one of the major participants in terms of the literally the, the next experiments that we're going to be doing. Oh, that's so, very cool because she's making my lip twitch. I'm hearing ding, ding, ding. And I don't know that those doors are there, but it's this big, big wooden door and it's swinging open. And she tells me now this is like she's ready to step in. We're ready for this stage. That's very cool. Yes. And also she does act as the ringleader. She is <laughs> the, she's like the secretary, you know, secretary of state in the United States. She's like, you know, the secretary of the whole group. I don't mean just taking notes, but that kind of level of secretary. Oh, absolutely. And then I did, as silly as it sounds, I absolutely feel Albert Einstein's presence. He, When I hear him, he speaks with a German accent. Most spirits, when I talk to them, it sounds like my own thoughts. Mm -hmm. But he says that they've been keeping very strange hours lately working with you. Yeah. But And then he laughed because he says, truly, there's no time. But that fascinates him. And he says that he wants everybody listening to know you must be willing to dream. And he says the mind never stops, even when you die. His never stops because to him it's just fascinating to be part of this. And he also brought up some kind of issue. I believe he was referring to you, Gary. You have something going on with your teeth, some challenges with your teeth right now. My teeth? Yeah. Oh, well, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you bringing up the fact, because you don't know this, but for the past few months in particular, the work has been so consuming. We have literally, on our dining room table, we call it LATCH North. LATCH stands for Laboratories of Advances of Consciousness and Health. North stands for where our home is. And the entire dining room has now turned into a uh, satellite of the lab where we do the pilot testing, the, the proof of concept testing. And very often, I will be up at 
3 o'clock in the morning because that's when uh-huh. insights come to me. And then I will work for two to three hours or more, um, both writing programs and analyzing data and also doing experiments as appropriate. So we literally live and breathe this. And because Rhonda and I don't have children, uh, we, uh, we, neither one of us have children, and both of our sets of parents are deceased and so on, we are, first of all, a very, cl- very small, close family. But, of course, we, then Rhonda has this huge extended family, which I do indirectly, that we call, quote, the A-team. By the way, we do, we do now have two canaries named Nobu and Boo after, the, after, after a hotel inside Caesar's Palace, a long, complicated story. Um, but save for that, we have the privilege to be able to do this work at any hour. And um, that I was not we, aware of yet. He was really talking about the strange hours you're keeping. So this is so cool. <laughs> it really is. Now, I would like to just give one other opportunity before I, I share some data with people. You know other members on the team. I do. Some and the them. musician is blowing a coach's whistle right now. Peter okay, now Tell is. me what that means. Tell me what the blowing the coach's whistle means to Did you. Did you say you don't know or you do? I don't. That's why I want to ask. Okay. Well, he's blowing it rhythmically, and it has to do with the fact that the whistle only has one tone, one note. (sighs) Okay, show me why. And he says it's hard for him to stick to one note because he's used to singing in multiple ranges. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. That 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 is so. And you don't don't know what that means, but that is really cool. Now, (laughs) I wish to ask something. And you will be able to sense this. See from him whether he wishes you to mention who he is right now or not. <laughs> yes, he does. Then I think we should. Why you don't really you share do? okay. a little bit about who the musician is? Yeah. Even though we do not advertise this fact and won't advertise this fact like we don't advertise. Well, before you do, I wish to... Sh- so I want everyone to hear this. If anybody ever hears this, um, this, this, uh, this, this uh, uh, dialogue that you and I are having. Number one, I have a phrase, which I say, it's not about the team, it's about the technology. And it's not about the technology, it's about the transformation. So it's not about the Susie Smiths or the Albert Einsteins or the David Bohms as, or the person that you're going to now reveal as amazing as they are, it's not about, quote, them. So, and we're not, so we don't, what's the word? We do not, um, we don't advertise them. And we do not take advantage of their history, um, except insofar as we collaborate. Um, and it's not even about their collaboration in the, the, the mutual co- creation of this technology. As well, he's saying it's about is, saving the world. Exactly. Creating creating a better world for our children. He's saying it right now. Yeah, I love it. So you want to share your first experience with the quote musician? First time you encountered the musician? It was it was it was it was when I wanted to run out the door and say I can't work with this man because he says that the person I just brought through is Michael Jackson, and when we went back and looked at the evidence that he gave me in this in the reading of 
one single glove and a little suitcase and standing on a stage and before a large group and caring about humanity. It was him. And since then, he's come through so often. I remember sitting at a table at you with you at a banquet and you introduced me to a friend of yours. And Michael dropped in and I said, Michael knows this friend of yours personally. And he's telling me he has about 30 Buddhas statues in his house. And, it, and he's calling him his white brother. And it was absolutely accurate. So I cannot yeah. deny that Michael Jackson is part of your team. He gives me irrefutable evidence. He has a signature song he sings when he shows up. Uh, and he is just trying to help you. the world, which is what you're doing, Gary. And he also yes. is saying he doesn't want to spend a lot of time talking about him. He's kind of pulling back because he wants you to tell everybody Good. what you're doing with the technology. But I do honor okay. him by Well, saying, I, I want to honor the musician stepping forward as part of – I want to – first of all, I want to bless Susie. I want to bless Albert. And I know there are others, but I wanted to give them a little bit of opportunity because you have been so important – as being a bridge for them, an evidential bridge for them. Well, just mm -hmm. one of really? many. You, I know Suzanne Wilson and other mediums, Jamie Clark, with you work with you regularly, yeah, and they just do amazing work with the A team. So let's hear for the B team as well. And Rhonda, <laughs> tirelessly, day after day after day, tuning into these members. It's she is amazing. She's Smith on this side. She's like the secretary here, metaphorically, the secretary of state, metaphorically here. So she and Susie are the bring up bring us all together okay so let's now get back to what's the latest technology and i'll give you an example Good. and i would be i don't you know if, if it turns out that this person is present i do want to acknowledge him very quickly um i in our work with the electronic switch which i'm not at liberty to speak about i realized that it would be valuable if we had access to a High voltage. I'm, I'm high seeing lightning speed. bolts already, and I know you're going to talk about Nikola Tesla because I, <laughs> <laughs> because that's what the symbol that he okay. shows me Before when he I shows up. Further, tell me when you started seeing Nikola in your laboratory. Yeah, well, you, and he was now. He was, you see him in my laboratory now. No, 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 no. That's when I first started seeing him the very first time. Was in you know in 2012 when you and I started working together. But just as you mentioned, there's one other person. All of a sudden, I saw the lightning bolt, and I knew who you were talking about. So you knew before I had a chance to even tell you what I was about to tell you. <laughs> well, Gary, they're telling it. me that they're always around you because they don't have time on the other side and they just have to put up with the human's need for sleeping. But were it not for right. that, the work would be continuous. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that, that we, I, we heard all these people by their first names. Um, uh, it's, I think the only exception is uh, we refer to one of the people as Sir Arthur, um, as, as opposed to just Arthur. Anyway, the, um, so I'm really thrilled that Nicholas here because anyway, I, I wanted to have access to a high voltage, high frequency, low current source. And I knew that a Tesla coil could create that. And I remembered that many years ago when I was a professor at Yale, I purchased something called a plasma globe. And a plasma globe, you know, they're very common and they're quite common. Um, they essentially have a Tesla coil in the center and they, they create this... Uh, relatively high frequency, around 23 cycle, 1,000 cycles, 
high voltage being a few thousand volts, very low current signal. And then there's this gas in that this uh, chamber, um, which is which like uh, like xenon, for example. And when the 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 plasma is created, it creates what look like uh, lightning bolts, and they're called plasma globes. And you can buy them from the Smithsonian Institute, or you can buy them from Spencer's Gifts. There are all kinds of people who sell these kinds of globes. Well, I had purchased one. Um, called the Eye of the Storm when I was a professor at Yale, and I had it in the laboratory in storage. I mean, I never used it. It was, quote, a toy. So I brought it, quote, home to our uh, laboratory where we pilot test things to um, see whether or not um, they could interact with the electrical source. I wasn't thinking that of using the plasma globe as a detector, I was thinking about just using it as a, a, a readily available uh, high voltage, high, you know, uh, frequency, low current electrical source because it was handy. So I brought it home and it was nighttime and we invited multiple spirits and began with Nicola because he invented it. He got a patent for this many years mm. ago, um, a version of this. He, um, we invited him to as hard as this to imagine is not for you, to literally put his hand inside the globe and make direct electrical contact. Now, you and I can't do this. We'd get a bad shock. The question is, could they do it? And Nicola was our, you know, he invented it. So, you know, I said, well, Rhonda, if he said they can do it and it's, it's safe for them, I'll let him try it. And when we were trying this, Rhonda made an observation. She said, Gary, remember, I don't see any of this. She said, Gary, she said, I, I'm seeing Nicola put his hand in the globe or I'm seeing Michael put his hand in the globe. She says, I think I'm noticing a subtle, slight increase in excitation in the globe along the edges. Now, remember, Rhonda is an artist. She's a photographer. She's a very gifted observer. And I said, what? They're affecting the potentially the dynamics. I said, we've got to see whether or not we could use a video camera to record what's going on in the globe. And then maybe if we could see it as changing patterns of light, then I could quantify it using state-of-the-art image processing tools, which I happen to have some expertise in. So we tried it. And lo and behold, much to my absolute disbelief, we found that we could literally quantify subtle, tiny changes in the, the history of the electrical patterns using these image processing tools. By the way, any of your listeners who happen to be technology-oriented, if they want to learn about image processing, they can go to the web, to, to the web and if they type in image J space NIH, image J is one, one word, uh, I-M-A-G-E-J, all one word, and then space N-I-H. It'll take you to the workshop, uh, to their website. And literally, you could download for free this very sophisticated software that's provided by NIH, the National Institutes of Health, because it's used in all kinds of um, biomedical imaging and other areas of science. Was this so, what gave you the prompt to think about communicating with them regularly, the spirits? 
No, this I've already been doing that kind of research. Okay, but it was the idea that I could use this technology as a as a simple procedure for detecting it. It was hmm. it was a, a sidebar from the electronic switch. That's right, and this happened last June. Ah. So we began doing research with plasma globes, initially with the one globe that I owned, literally in our bedroom closet because it was our dark room. And hmm. then we brought it into the dining room, and then I used um, I wrote software with sophisticated macros to be able to, using a regular webcam, to video record and then automate this whole procedure. We continue to get positive results. And then I decided that it would be valuable if we could do this in a very sophisticated fashion. So let me jump ahead and tell you where we are now. So that's just how we got introduced to this. Now we have a state-of-the-art software technology, which I've designed, which has been implemented by, by an optical scientist uh, and a neuroscientist. Um, by the way, these are senior people working in major companies with state-of-the-art technology. They work on weekends and evenings, helping us to automate all of this, which I'm about to tell you. And because this work is so controversial, even though the software that we've created is universal, it's general purpose. I mean, you can apply this software to any experiment where you want to be able to ask questions or show pairs of slides and collect video data. So it doesn't have to be spirit related at all. It could be image processing for um, measuring eye blinks um, in, uh, in advertising or uh, for measuring tremors in people who have uh, diseases. I mean, there's a wide variety of applications of this automated technology. Anyway, it's cool. But because it's so controversial for the work that we're applying it to, they're afraid to let me use their names. That's how taboo this work is. It's so sad because they're doing this brilliant work. And of course, I'm paying them, um, you know, through the university, through through donations through the lab for this work. Um, so anyway, but you've had you know, a breakthrough so, though with the technology, oh, yes, right? We've now had two breakthroughs, uh, and I'll quickly share with you what the breakthroughs are. Breakthrough number one is using this automated software called Aqua which stands for Automated Query and uh, Analysis Software. The, the software can now ask our, our post-materialist participants or collaborators. Meaning your um, spirit people. Your software yes, asks those people. in the spirit world. Uh, yes, our spirit collaborators, our hypothesized spirit collaborators. We can not only have them request that they put their hands in particular regions of the globe on request by the computer. The computer runs the entire experiment. It asks the questions, it puts pictures up on the slides, it collects the data, and then it analyzes the data. So all we have to do is start the computer, and then we don't even have to be physically present when spirit does this. It's really extraordinary. Not only can we show that they can follow the instructions on the screen, but we have what we call a personal identification test. So let's, for example, say that we're doing this with uh, Susie versus, uh, let's say, Rhonda's mother, Marsha. Okay? Um, the, the computer would ask a question such as, is your name Susie? 
Now, if this was Susie who was working with the technology, she would make a, quote, yes response, i.e. she would put her hands in a particular position in the, in the globe and hold it there for 10 seconds. If, if it was Marsha and we asked, is your name Susie, she would make a no response and she would make a different position. Now, the next question might be, um, were you a, uh, uh, a healer? Um, mm-hmm. Susie would answer no, because she was, she was not a healer. She was a, she was a writer and a psychic. She wasn't a healer. So she would say no to that question. However, Marsha happened to have been a professional healer at a later point in her life as part of her church. And so she would answer yes. So the critical thing is we could ask a series of questions that would be yes for some people and no for other people. And by getting the combinations of yeses and nos, they can identify themselves. Wow. And we've done experiments, for example, with let's take, for example, um, since you mentioned him, Michael Jackson, and another person we spoke about, uh, uh, Nikola Tesla. And we can ask questions about Michael versus Nikola, and they can correctly identify themselves. Or so- we can do the following kind of experiment. Listen to this. To what extent can they really see screens and can, do they really remember what life is like? So we have what I call cognitive understanding tests. And this is one of my favorite ones. Um, the computer will say, is this a bird? And then up on the screen is a picture of a dachshund. <laughs> now, what's, what's Susie or any of our spirit members or any of our loved ones, you know, who's not here, they should be able to say, no, that's not a bird. And then the next slide would show, for example, a, uh, a canary, a stratford canary, and they should be able to say, yes, that's a bird. Or an image will come on and will say, is this a horse? And so are they doing this, this, Gary? We have just about three minutes left. Are they able the to answer, do this? The answer is they are able to do this. Repeatedly? At, at, what I'm going to say is what we are now at is we're able to get between 80 to 90% replicability, mm. which is extraordinary. We, we're not, that's why it's called proof of concept. You know, it's, that, that would be the third breakthrough. The first breakthrough is that we could use tasks that would be completely automated that, that could document that this really was a human being doing a task, identifying themselves, showing they have cognitive skills, and we can get 80 to 90% of the time. The next stage, which is the one that we're just completing right now, is that we can do live demonstrations of this technology. Ooh. And so you can see the signal growing in real time. And we are planning, starting in the fall or, or early winter, a series of coming, if you would, coming out once the battleship is fully built. <laughs> the plan is I'm going to be giving a lecture um, at the university. The working title is called The Soul Phone Experiments, colon, Celebrating the Heart of Science and Truth Seeking. By the way, the term heart of science was, uh, was developed, uh, used uh, by Carl Sagan, Dr. Carl Sagan many people know from the from the earlier days, astrophysicist, the movie Contact wrote the script for that, story for that, and so on. Um, 
So I will come, I will give a science lecture, a state of the art science lecture, sharing all of this publicly after we've submitted, you know, and uh, we're just doing that now, papers for scientific publication. The second and we are coming doing, down to under one minute, Gary. So okay, we'll be doing what? a workshop called the cell phone experience and people will be able to witness this. So okay. you you have that much confidence that you have a prototype that will show people that you are getting verifiable yes no answers at this point from people who used to walk this earth who have died but who are still right here is that what you're saying with an 80 to 90% replicability meaning there's a 10 to 20% chance that it doesn't work but remember that's why I call it a Wright brothers moment the plane has taken off it is not yet a practical means of flying from one part of the world to another. <laughs> but do we now know that flight is possible? I am saying that's correct. Thank you so much. Dr. Gary Schwartz has been our guest. Soul phone technology is what he's been talking about. And it's based on the premise, I believe we have about 20 seconds left, Gary, the, the premise of your book, The Sacred Promise. Can you get that to us in a nutshell? Yes how science is discovering spirit's collaboration with us in our daily lives. It is saying that they're really here with all of their info energy and our loved ones care about us and will be joining with us in a much more uh, direct way in the years to come. Thank you so much, Dr. Gary Schwartz. See you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.